Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Good morning, church. I wanted to share a few thoughts with you this morning, and I've been thinking quite a bit about perseverance and what we've had to do. I mean, the world we're living in at the moment is, um, well, it's pretty complicated. It's, uh, it feels like it's pretty unstable. Things are changing all the time. In every day, something's moving or shifting. And the last 18 months has been um, really tricky uh, for everyone, actually. You know, we've gone from, I don't know, a shortage of toilet rolls to a shortage of petrol and whatever's going to come next that we're short of. So I think we've needed... One, a lot of patience, a lot of wisdom in how to deal with things, to be really tolerant. I think empathy as well for things that have been going on around the world that we're involved with as a country. And I think actually we've needed a lot of perseverance. And that's what I wanted to share some thoughts on. I actually looked in the diary, uh, sorry, in the dictionary to see what perseverance um, meant. And it said this, perseverance is to continue in a course of action, even in the face of difficulty, and with or little or no prospect of success. So in other words, you have to keep going, even though you know that you're probably not going to get anywhere or it's not going to work. That's the definition of perseverance. My journey of perseverance started actually when I attended um, uh, an Alpha course at Holy Trinity Brompton Church, where I work now. It was on that course that I became a Christian. It was on that course that it's the first time I met with God, which was probably a shock for both of us. One, because I didn't think he was interested in anyone like me with my background, and I'll share some of that with you. But it's also on that course when I met with him that he challenged me to face my demons, to face my fears. Also on that course, there was um, lots of things I heard about the Bible. But there was two scriptures in particular that really stuck with me and have stayed with me over the years. One is in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, and it says this, Our suffering develops perseverance. Perseverance then develops character, and character develops hope. And that's a hope that does not disappoint. In other words, it's not a hope that the world gives, it's a godly spiritual hope, and there's a difference. And the other scripture uh, that stuck in my head was in the Old Testament, is Jeremiah 29 verse 11, where basically it says God has a, a good and perfect plan, a plan to prosper us, a plan to give us hope and a future. And it's those words, hope, that stuck with me. And in those scriptures, I found three truths. One was that um, God has a plan for our lives. It's a good individual plan. Secondly, that it's probably going to involve uh, a struggle to get there. It's not going to be easy. And thirdly, and most importantly, God loves us and cares for us and wants to be in a relationship with us. But what if you don't know there's a plan? What if you didn't know there was an alternative to what you've been doing? And what if you didn't know that all the stuff that you go through, sometimes your fault, sometimes not your fault, is leading to some heavenly outcome? What if you don't know that stuff? Or what if you've been disappointed most of your life? 
And even worse, what if you've been disappointed in yourself most of your life? I was a really slow starter with this God stuff. Um, before I met with him, I had no plan, no understanding why the stuff I'd gone through, I went through. No one in my life to, to explain that there was another path. You know, in our life, we get in trouble in lots of different ways. Sometimes it's our own fault. In my case, a lot of it was my fault. But sometimes it's not always our fault. You can't always choose some of the things that happen to you in your life. Like you can't choose your parents. You can't choose the area that you grow up with. You can't choose the attitude of the people around you, the colour of your skin. Whether you're rich or you're poor. Whether your background or your family has God in it. So in other words, whether it's a godly family that goes to church or whether it's a, an atheistic family that doesn't bother or is interested in God at all. Both my parents were alcoholics. Both my parents were really dysfunctional. And both my parents were not interested in God. They were both atheists. So that's the home that I grew up in. So my childhood was... Um, it was kind of lonely. It was a very adult world that I grew up. If anyone listening has been involved in alcoholism, you, you will know that's the way it affects kids, really. So this world I lived in was, um, was pretty small. It was my father, my mother, and it was me as an only child. There was no wise counsel, actually no encouragement in any of it, uh, no structure, and certainly no emotional sort of uh, feelings within that family, void of any of that stuff. And most of all, there was no God. It was completely void of God. My own plan kind of kicked in when I was 15 in, uh, in a few ways. Firstly, I was expelled from the school I was going to for truancy. Again, if anyone's listening has been bullied, uh, you know what that's like. I was bullied at this Manchester Comprehensive and I, I hated it. So I basically ran away and got in trouble and ended up getting expelled at 15. At the same time that happened... Uh, I got in an argument with my father, which wasn't going to end well. My father was drunk. He was arguing with my mother. He was going to hit her. I stood in the gap. I got the, the belt that my mother was going to get. Big argument. And my father threw me out. So at the age of 15 and a half, 16, I was on the streets. I got caught up with a gang. I moved into a squat. And, uh, and it was in that squat with quite a few dodgy people in a place called Stockport that I got involved in all sorts of trouble and started to, to get involved in crime. By 17, I was completely out of my depth. I was way out of it. I was in trouble with the police. I had fines that were unpaid. I was on probation. I was in front of the magistrate's court, and it wasn't really going well. And all that stuff eventually led to a prison sentence. I came out of prison different, as you hear people say, but I came out of prison scared. I came out very insecure. And I came out sort of broken and scared to do anything in case I got in trouble again and ended up back in this prison, which was called Risley, which was a detention centre at the time. At 21, I got my first break. I was accepted and joined the British Army. It was an amazing time to do that. I married my girlfriend. I was posted to Germany to join my regiment. Things were going really well. And about a year later, we had a son, Clinton. The relationship wasn't going really well. And some friends of mine said, well, you should have a kid. That will bring it all together. And I tried that, and, and, it, and it didn't. Uh, by the time Clinton was three, my relationship was breaking down really badly. And it ended up 
that I just couldn't cope with being responsible for a child and being responsible for someone else, otherwise my, my wife. So at 24, I got divorced. I was on my own for a while, which was great. Then I didn't like being on my own, so I got married again at 26. That didn't work really well. And at 28, it was another divorce. That was my, my plan uh, that I'd set in motion. It was full of drink, debt, divorce, and actually a lot of despair when I look back. Basically, I ran away from anything that involved responsibility, especially as a man and as a father and as a husband. I was living these two lives, my military life, which was going really well, I was a good soldier, uh, and my personal life. And unfortunately, they just, they just weren't running in parallel. Uh, whatsoever. They were not aligned. I had my military service going, which was brilliant. I ended up doing 17 years in the British Army, two tours in Northern Ireland, the Falklands, five different regiments, and I ended up in the Army Physical Training Corps, which was fantastic. And in that time, I, I learned a lot. The Army was my life education uh, in some ways, and, and it physically saved my life. It rescued me, and I owe the Army a, a great deal. In the military, you are trained for, for lots of different things. And I remember one mantra that we always had. It was always be prepared. Always train and be prepared for whatever's going to happen. So when it does happen, you're ready for it. But it's really hard to, to prepare and plan in any effective way if you're broken or you're lost. At some point, you've got to take stock. You've got to reevaluate where you're going and acknowledge your fears and your demons, and I had to do that. And whatever they may be, it might be lack of education, a dysfunctional family, family, anger, debt, you know, emotional stuff. It could be all of them if you're me. And you have to face them, and that's hard work. King Xerxes, uh, who was Persia's king of kings, who uh, reigned from 486 to 465 BC, was an extraordinary sort of leader. You can read about him in the book of Esther. And he said this, great things are achieved by embracing great dangers. And I realized that professionally I could embrace great dangers and achieve great things. But personally, I was terrified. I was scared. I was unprepared to, to change or do anything, really. I had no plan. I had no structure. I didn't know what I was doing uh, at all. And there's a bit in the Bible in Proverbs 13, verse 12, where it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And, and I realized as a, as a young man, really, I was pretty sick at that time. In those dark days, I didn't know who I was, what I was doing, and I was, I was just completely lost. So four very quick thoughts about how you can persevere and how if you are in that situation, which I hope you're not, but if you are, how you might be able to get out of it. First point, persevere and remember that God has a plan for you. It's a unique plan and it's a special plan. It's not a one-off plan that fits all. It's for you personally. But you have to remember, it might not be your plan. So you might have to put your plan down and get involved in his plan. And if you're anything like me or like I used to be, you're determined to keep your plan going. And I felt God say to me, just put that to one side and just stop and just listen to the plan I've got for you. It's a good plan to prosper you. And sometimes God allows discouragement, you know, frustration, disappointment, even failure to enter our lives. Why? In my opinion, to get our attention. Sometimes God lets us get into difficult 
situations. Why? Again, so he can get our attention. He's done that with me for years and I never really listened. Because when we get into those situations, sometimes we become more receptive. Sometimes we look in different places. Sometimes we might be a little bit more vulnerable or sometimes we might just listen to other people's advice and maybe ask for help. But sometimes God can come incognito. I think he's quite sneaky at times. He comes in different guises. It might be the form of a stranger or a friend or attending an alpha course or going to church with a friend for one day. You don't really want to go. So we have to remain hopeful. And most of all, we have to remain open that God wants to come and get involved with us. And like I said, for almost 40 years, I didn't know there was a plan. I didn't know there was an alternative to the way of life that I was in. But God knows us and knows what we want and what we need. Now with me, it was boundaries. He knew that I needed his plan, not mine. His ability, not mine. His strength, not mine. And that's what changed for me. But it might be different for you. And once I was found, rescued, saved, whatever you want to call, once I became a Christian, my life started to change. How? You know, I don't even think to bother to explain it anymore. It just started to change. I've overthought things for years, but I just know that God exists. And once you welcome him into your life, he starts to change. For me, he started to rewire my thinking. And as King Erxes says, great things are achieved by embracing great dangers. So I started to face my demons when I met him and face my fears, but this time differently because I wasn't on my own. God said, I'm with you all the way through it. Let's do it together. So for me, one of my fears was marriage, obviously. So I married the woman I was living with for, for eight years, Amanda. And, you know, two weeks ago, we celebrated our wedding anniversary of 28 years marriage. And I say that because that's impossible, would have been impossible for me without God helping me. I re-engaged with my son, who I told you I left when he was three. We got back together again, and we see each other as much as we can. I have a daughter, Phoebe, who's 24, who's an extraordinary uh, young woman. And I've been a priest for 21 years in the Church of England. God gave me a purpose when I invested in his plan. Gave me a calling, and it was to tell this story. Mark Twain says, the two most important days in our life are the day we're born and the day that we realize why we were born. God has a plan and a purpose for you. We just have to engage with it. And I've realized, you know, it's nobler to have courage as we stumble into the things we fear than to, to analyze every single obstacle that might be in front of us and sometimes do absolutely nothing. I'd rather take a chance now and a risk and go for it. And if I make a mistake, then learn from that mistake. Second point, persevere and remember, don't let your past dictate your future. You're not your past. We are new creations when you come to Christ. And it may have been bumpy to get where you are now. This journey has not been easy, I'm sure. But you are where you are now. And God can use that period of time and that place where you are if you're open to him. I started to realize that if I wanted to have this sort of normal life, it was me that was going to have to change, not everybody else. And sometimes we can get stuck looking at life through other people's lenses. You know, sometimes it's our parents, friends, family members, work colleagues, whatever. And if they're good, then brilliant. But if they're dysfunctional and we take on their views, sometimes we get stuck with their cynicism, their anger, their values, their preconceived ideas. And that's what happened to me. 
I really became my father who I didn't want to be. The things we go through in life that are not always our fault can help us in the long run. That's that Romans passage. The stuff, the suffering that we go through can develop character and perseverance and we change and that's where we get the hope. And we have to remember that we're all different. We're all individuals. We're not the same. You know, be yourself, but be prepared to improve on it if God asks you. Third point, persevere and remember God can transform your life like he did mine. Just look at the people in the Bible. I mean, simple folk that he used and he gave a purpose and and a plan. And I think that we'll struggle to understand our purposes and the role in his plan that he has for me and for you and for all of us until we surrender control of our plan and we start looking at his plan and we engage with it. Then the Bible says, no eye will see, no ear can hear, no mind can conceive what God has in store for those who love him. And that would be you when you enter into his plan. Only then do we see these extraordinary things that God has in store for us. You know, despair says that whatever you do, it doesn't matter. You can't make any difference. What's the point of doing that? Just leave it alone. Just give up. Just leave it. That's despair. What God says is, no, no, you are unique. You are special. There's no one like you. I've got a plan for you. There's some extraordinary things we can do together. That's hope. There's a a real difference. Fourth and final point. Persevere and let God do what only God can do. In other words, let him do his work in your life. You know, remember your brokenness may be God's way of helping you let go of the pieces in your life that don't really belong there. Like me, the stuff I had in my life. He had to get rid of that somehow. And that caused some suffering and some pain. You know, the feeling of brokenness you have right now as a person I don't know, as a father, as a son, as a daughter, in reality, could be the spiritual start of something different. Sounds weird, but that's the kingdom. That feeling of brokenness could start to change things in your life if you embrace it. Thomas Edison said, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they give up. This morning, You might just be so close to breaking through and engaging in that plan. So don't give up. Persevere and go through it. And in that, I'd like to challenge you today not to see your brokenness as the end of your journey, which despair would tell you it is. In other words, I'd want you to try and see it as something new, challenging, pretty scary, but exciting as well. It could be the start of the potential of the blessing in your life that changes everything. It's out of your brokenness, out of our fears and our frustrations, our setbacks, our feelings of hopelessness, that we can reach back and get the strength to stand, persevere and push forward with the plan. You know, God is always trying to to get our attention. You know, as in my story, he tried for over 40 years, but nobody told me he was there or told me about him. And in my life, I've been a thief, I've been a prisoner, I've been a soldier, and now I'm a priest. And it's been, it's been a tricky journey at times. It's been a, a journey of discovery. It's been a, a journey of running away. It's been a, a journey of fear and disappointment. But it's also been a journey of challenge 
and excitement and God putting people around me to challenge me and help me and, and spur me on to keep going, to, to persevere. You know, God loves us and pursues us and wants to fix us to be the best us that we can possibly be. You know, we all have a calling. It may change from time to time, mine has, but it's a calling, it's a purpose and it's a plan. And maybe he's trying to get your attention this morning, last week, this week. Maybe you start thinking of things. He wants to encourage you to keep running and keep persevering this race that the Bible says has been marked out for us before the beginning of time. And that journey will transform your life, I can assure you. It will set you on a a path of great discovery, of, of resurrection, of coming back again, of getting stronger. It will be a journey of restoration of past hurts. You'll be challenged along the way, but it will be a journey that's filled with love and certainty and hope, and it's something you don't have to do on your own. So if you get a chance, you know, maybe try the Alpha course. Uh, one will be starting near you, either online or in person. And maybe just try one night like I did. Just go for one session and just see. You know, what have you got to lose? Nothing. But you may just engage in this plan, which could possibly change your life.